Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello, welcome back to your safe space. It is Cheyenne, and today I have Anjali Kapoor with me from Oversight Global. So she comes on today to not only talk to us about her 20 years of experience and well, multiple facets, but also why she found her niche in helping first time managers get over all of those weird greenhorn hiccups. I was a first time manager, so I know that I fouled up a lot as a first time manager and I surely wish that I could have had somebody with an outside perspective um, like Angelie all those years ago, but I'm happy to find you today and bring you on for our audience. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, doing great. Hanging out with my dogs, loving life. That's <laughs> always great. Yeah. So tell me about what made you want to start this company in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think you pretty much mentioned in the intro, I, um, you know, have experience coming from, healthcare management as a first-time manager and also climbing, um, you know, that management ladder. And you mentioned it, that first-time managers, it's hard, man. It's, you know, it's difficult. We have all kinds of struggles and challenges and nobody really prepares us for that. There isn't any type of, you know, official training that we receive or anything like that. And so, you know, I struggled and I watched others struggle. I've talked to so many other people like yourself that mentioned that they struggled. And, you know, when I got to a point in my career where I wanted to kind of pivot and and do something a little bit different, um, I really had a passion to address this gap in preparation and training that I really saw and, and was feeling and experiencing. So that's how I got into leadership coaching and specifically helping first-time managers. I love that you are also outside of the company. So you might be able to even help help with maybe the blind spots. Cause I know that I did go through a certain form of man- manager training. We had mm-hmm of training in the company we went with but it was such a cake box recipe that um I know that we talked about this when we talked earlier one of my biggest pet peeves in it was um I really almost felt like a drone in it like if I didn't just assimilate with everybody else in this cake recipe then I really wasn't going to be successful like they had Mm -hmm. already they already had the templates laid out for you you know, don't reinvent exactly. the wheel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, I, I experienced similar to the same. I mean, I did have um some, I, I call it light management training because it wasn't really what I found later to be kind of the recipe for success, which is really um learning about yourself, becoming self-aware, becoming conscious, and really becoming authentic in your leadership style. Um, they didn't teach anything about that. You know, they they mentioned uh emotional intelligence and you went through that for maybe a day or two. Um, but that's that was really, you know, the basic stuff about uh being aware and conscious. But like you're saying, it was really my training was really more about, you know, the structure of the company, um, how to work with HR, the different, um, you know, employee laws and and things like that. And so 
you know, I, I mean, I found that it was helpful to know all that stuff. You needed to know that for what you were doing in your position. But it for, for me, it was really missing the key elements of how to make that transition from going to being an employee to then being somebody in a position of authority. And then, uh, you know, m- missing a lot of the components of, you know, it's such a different frame of uh, an approach and perspective and frame of mind and it it's a completely different skill set than you're you're used to um and you know addressing the the big challenges that we that we face as a first-time manager and really where that comes from and how to overcome those especially when you say first-time manager i remember sitting down with my boss and i was 23 when i got into management which i thought was still very young so mm-hmm. yeah excited for the opportunity and i was a little blown away um, to be that young and in management. And one of the things that he like really had to drill in my head was you have to understand that you're a leader. He's like, Mm -hmm. do you understand that? Like you are in charge of everything. And I, it just, I mean, it (laughs) shook me to my sweet little 23 year old core, honestly, because when he says you're in charge of everything, I was in charge of every guest that walked in the building. I was in charge of all the employees hiring all of the money in the building if any accidents came um that was you know like the fear in the back of my mind like oh my gosh if we had to call an ambulance or fire or police like all of these things like i really started mm-hmm. feeling like a, a little baby in those situations and yes all of those happened while i was in management um mm-hmm. i feel like i could write a tell-all book about what i experienced from the public and you know, all of the crazy things that happened while I was there. But for you going through your coaching business, how do you help them understand like how to really embody the leadership as they're first coming into it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great that you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, your boss at the time told you about, you know, what a big responsibility you had and also that you needed to be a leader. And one of the things that I really teach and um, impress upon is that when you're put in a position of authority, if when you're made a manager, that doesn't make you a leader. I know that, you know, we really, we've really been drilled and taught to be thinking of a manager and leader as the same thing, but they're not. Um, you know, when you get into a management position, it that title doesn't make you a leader. Becoming a leader really is a journey and, um, you know, a transition and development, developmental and transformational journey that you need to go on before you are able to influence people the way that you need to as a leader. So that's one of the things that I really impress upon um, first time managers is that, you know, you are a manager, but you have quite a ways to go before you are a true leader. Um, And again, in our society, we we tend to see a manager and leader as the same thing, but they 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 couldn't be further from each other, really. And then the other thing is, you know, it was great that I think your boss, you know, kind of to- pulled you aside and said, you know, you have this um, this really big responsibility of being in charge of everything and being in charge of everyone. I think that's something um, that's also lacking for first time managers and them understanding and being told just how big their responsibility is. I'm always talking about, especially lately with, you know, the mental health um, issues that we're having right now and leaders, you know, 
workplace leaders, managers in the workplace have a huge responsibility and the impact that they have on their teams and on their customers. And, you know, again, a lot of people don't realize that, but if you think about it, you know, if you're working a nine to five job, you are at your work more than you are at home. You're with the people that you work with more than you're with your own family. And what the type of environment that a manager creates and maintains in the workplace has a huge impact on their staff members. It, you know, they, they bring what they have in at the workplace home. And then that spreads out into their neighborhoods and their communities and cities and countries. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So that's why I, I really uh, press upon uh, managers that, you know, the type of environment that you're creating in the workplace has a, a much more bigger impact than you even realize it does. Great answer. I'm getting so many flashbacks and memories from, <laughs> from just talking about this. I'm like, oh gosh, which way do I take it? So yes, you're absolutely right on the management and leadership. Um, the immense amount of pressure that comes on for a first time manager and then imposter yeah. syndrome, like oh yeah, about the imposter syndrome, especially if you like promoted within from the staff that you, I mean, we're on the same level with, and now all of a sudden you have to adhere to a completely different set of rules that you didn't have to, you would technically have to keep people in line that you, mm -hmm. you know, didn't have to keep in line before. And like, how do you really toe that line? Especially again, if it's an internal promotion where, you know, one minute that person's your employee friend, you know, like your coworker friend. And now like, it's a job performance review and you like, for lack of a better term, you almost have to like reprimand them. Right. You know, right. Two weeks ago before your promotion, you know, it's kind of like a weird evolutionary right. line that we've all gone through in some promotion format. Exactly. And that's actually exactly what happened to me. I got promoted from within. So exactly what you're saying, the people that I had now become, you know, a boss to, I was, on the same team with and I was friends with a lot of them. So I really went through this transition of, okay, how do I go from friend to boss? <laughs> you know, how do I go from um, team member to boss and, and things like that. So I struggled with that for for a while, um, you know, especially the friend to boss thing. It was for me, it was really hard and really awkward for me to all of a sudden find myself being, you know, the boss to people who were my friends that I had these personal relationships with and we hung out with, um, you know, each other uh, when we weren't at work. So that for me was was a, a particularly tricky transition. Uh, and it's de definitely something that I talk to other people about that they find themselves um, in that same situation. And again, it it's you really having to, again, realize the transition that you're making from going from you know, just another um, member of the team to then becoming the the person who is responsible for those team members. And um, it, it really takes understanding the different hats that you wear and, you know, how you are responsible for the people that are on your staff. And it, it it's a really tricky and hard um, transition, but it is doable. And, and again, that, that comes from understanding what your expectations are, understanding what your role is, having clarity in that, and then also figuring out 
what type of leader and manager that you want to be? How do you want people to to see you and describe you instead of kind of letting that happen by chance or circumstance? So, um, you know, again, the first piece is really understanding what your role is and then um, identifying, um, I call it creating your leader identity, really identifying what type of leader that you want to be. So if I wanted to identify what type of leader I wanted to be, like, what, what is this kind of like figuring out your core values? Is it something like that? Exactly. Exactly. Figuring out your core values, what type of mindset um, you need to have or want to have. And again, how you want people um, to to see you and describe you if they were to ask, you know, uh, what type of boss is Cheyenne? Uh, what, what, what would they say? What would you want them to say? So you can figure out what it is that you need to do to embody what it is that you're trying to accomplish i would get mixed reviews on that answer just to be honest (laughs) (laughs) from my greenhorn days all the way like through the peak era and then the burnout phase for sure yeah yeah definitely definitely i mean it happens and i always like to say like whoever you are in everybody's mind really isn't any of your business or your responsibility to uphold that image Um, so I think it's great that you say core values, um, Mm -hmm. I was given core values in my company. So like the same core values, I didn't really realize you could like have your own personal ones. Like I had personal goals outside of work, but Mm -hmm. I entered the company at such a young age that the company honestly became my identity for the longest time. I worked so hard in every level that I did. And even if I was burnt out, um, I mean, it's not like I was very approachable about my burnout. I mean, I was very mm-hmm. like and sarcastic about it where I was like, Hey, not everybody, you know, likes every day of their job. You know, sometimes things get hard, da, 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 like however I had to do it. But then there were just other times where I would, I would be like, Oh my gosh, this company is my identity. Like, I don't really know besides like my love for yoga, what I'm doing outside of this. So is there mm-hmm. that you teach people, especially when they're getting into leadership? Because you want to prove yourself in your company. You want to have like high performance and do all the things you want to do. But what happens when the company becomes your identity? Is that attractive right. for your authenticity and honestly, your mental health? Right. No, it, it's actually kind of crazy. Everything that you're describing, you would have been my perfect client. <laughs> Because really you, 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 you. <laughs> <laughs> you said exactly the experience that I went through. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from with all of that. Um, you know, kind of having the the focus more on the career than on anything else and really having mm-hmm. imposter syndrome about what you're doing and the core values thing. I mean, if you at most people do not like you uh, don't know what their core value is or are, um, excuse me, or that they can even have their own, like you were saying that, you know, most people, when I ask them what their core values are, they like you rattle off their company core values. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's the place where you work at. But what about your personal core values? And most people are like, uh, well, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really important And it all comes back to self-awareness. And, you know, my tagline for my company is awareness, consciousness, and transformation, because I really found in my journey and also working with others that really the key component to you becoming a leader is 
to get to know yourself is get to know who you are, get to like who you are and get to love who you are. And, you know, I mean, I, when I first started, I felt so lost. I couldn't find my footing. I felt like I was drowning in the sea of, you know, unknowns and not really knowing what I was doing and, and things like that. But at the same time, you had to like appear like you knew what you were doing, you know? So it was kind of like this, these two different split personalities of what you were doing. And I would just, I dove headfirst into reading tons of books and taking these courses and going to seminars. And most of the time, they just really confused the heck out of me because I took in all of this knowledge and all of these insights, but I had no idea, you know, how to implement them um, in what, you know, way I was supposed to do things and things like that. So I was really struggling with the right guidance on on what I was supposed to be implementing and, and how and where and things like that. And it was really when I really dove into emotional intelligence is where my my self-awareness and self-discovery journey started for me because I, I realized that, you know, with all of my overwhelm and the, the internal challenges that I was having, I was becoming very reactive. And, uh, you know, I would get emotional whenever I got stressed out and overwhelmed and things like that. So I realized that I had to get a handle on my emotions, my emotions and how I was responding and reacting to things. And that's when I discovered emotional intelligence. And it really, really started me to think, you know, as I uh, started to get better about my handling my emotions and managing them. And also it, I realized that as I got better about doing that for myself, I was able to see that in other people in my staff. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So the better I get to know myself, it helps me see what's going on in other people and ultimately be a more effective leader. And so that's where I really discovered that the key really is learning more about yourself and managing yourself and becoming a leader of you first. And then you're able to do that externally for others. I love that you bring up the reactivity because that was definitely a big thing that I had. I would either get supremely reactive in a way that I was completely remorseful of afterwards, whether I apologize Mm -hmm. or not, um, or I would just shut down and I would be like, I have 20 things that I need to do right now on top of all these other things. So I am just going to go like blinders focused on what I need to do, which when Mm -hmm. you're in business, where you have to have a lot of personality, like what I would say, like our concept was like running a Broadway show where behind mm-hmm. the curtain, like shit's going haywire. We're trying to keep, you know, everything together, but then out in front of everybody, besides the timing that you had to do the coordination you had to have with every facet of the company, but then the smiles and the presentation and the keywords and just this, we love our job thing all of the time um, mm-hmm. that you brought up like splitting yourself because by the end of it, especially with having earpieces in where every employee is talking to you and you're talking. Yes. To someone, I mean, I bet I had 30 personalities by the end of my career in my head because I split into so many different people, as you would say, wore so many different hats. Um, but when you notice yourself, like start wearing thin, is that what you mean? Like maybe, having some like EFT is something that comes to mind just to mm-hmm. like calm yourself 
down and bring yourself back to center. Um, like, are there little tips and tricks that you can give people if they see themselves like going closer to that edge of like how mm-hmm. to pull themselves back so they don't really like blow the whole shift or even such a long question, but this popped in my head. I would always hear like, if you want your staff at a hundred percent, you have to be at like 110, 120, 150, da, 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 da. Cause if you're performing, right. they could perform at 70 and below and you don't want that. So there's an mm-hmm. amount of pressure, not like leadership aside, just in management, the shift numbers, all of that to right. be this, um, honestly, like unrealistic at some point with all of the pressure, but pushing through, like, how do you coach people to pull themselves back from the edge, especially when you've lived through that reactivity and realized it wasn't good for anybody? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, when I started and I had the exact same issues that you were having, I would either, you know, get so reactive that I'd explode. And I never... I never meant to do that. It would just kind of, it would happen. And they were like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. (laughs) You know? So I'd explode. And, you know, one of the biggest times was when I, I, I completely lost my crap during a team meeting with one of my divisions of my team. And, and got, like you're saying, I was, I felt so bad. I felt so sorry. I had no idea why it had even happened. I mean, now I do in hindsight because I just was too stressed and overwhelmed and frustrated and things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, same thing as you, you either explode or you like cave into yourself and you're like, I don't want to deal with anything. I'm just going to focus on my little box. So yeah, I've totally been in both situations. And one of the things that I, when I first started to really start dealing with my emotions and becoming more emotionally intelligent was I actually started to figure out my triggers. Like I I really had to figure out internally and be uh, really introspective of, okay, am I starting to get too stressed out? Am I starting to get too overwhelmed? Is, you know, am I getting into this mood or mental state to where I don't feel baseline normal? And, you know, when I realized that I, like when I had a stressful situation come up, like a, a fire came up that I had to put out, you know, did I, how did I feel about that? How did I respond to that? Did I, you know, get really upset? Did I get really negative? You know, um, things like that. And when I re- recognized those triggers, I kind of created a plan for myself. Okay, if I'm feeling like this, I'm going to get up and walk around for 10 minutes. Or, you know, if I'm, um, feeling a certain way, I'm going to, you know, shut my door, call my husband and have him talk me down, you know, just just um, figuring out things like that. So figuring out your triggers, and then also creating a plan of how to combat those triggers so that you can come back to normal as soon as possible. And then, you know, as my journey kind of progressed, I also got into journaling and journaling was such a huge thing for me. I mean, I used to be in the mindset of, you know, how is writing my st- writing my thoughts down on paper going to help me? But when I actually started to do it, I realized how much emotions and thoughts I actually was able to release on paper and how much journaling actually made me feel better and how I actually saw 
you know, in my writing, different patterns, different thought patterns, different behaviors that I had that also helped me to become more self-aware of what was going on inside of me. And then the other thing that I talk to new managers about who, you know, are coming to me super overwhelmed, like you mentioned, they don't um, really know how to manage and control everything that's going on is one of the things that I teach them is that um, I call it the hats of leadership. So recognizing that there's actually three main categories that I found that the, that managers actually have. And um, you touched upon uh, quite a few of them, but um, the first one is what I call behind the scenes. So like you're saying, the stuff that happens behind the scenes that most people aren't even aware is happening and um, that you have the responsibility of taking care of making sure that operations are running smoothly. And then the second uh, category is what I call in the spotlight. So this is what people are seeing. This is how people are seeing you lead your team um, and motivating and inspiring them and things like that. And then the third category is what I call in the director's chair. And that's you know, where you are seeing the bigger picture of things, where you are like future casting um, and being able to be proactive with things that are happening. And so kind of having that type of mindset. And then in each category, there are different skills that um, a manager needs in the the different categories. So obviously the operational stuff is more hard skills. Uh, You know, at the end, the spotlight being a leader is more soft skills. And these are things that we normally are. This is the category where we are most unprepared for. And then the director's chair is a combination of hard skills and soft skills. So being able to analyze data as well as strategically think, have critical thinking, but then also be thinking big picture and seeing um, different perspectives and taking, uh, you know, different decision-making um, skills and things like that. And then the other thing that um, I help people recognize is that these different categories also require different parts of the brain. So your first category, the operational side is more of a conscious using more of the conscious brain where you're you know, utilizing skills that you're conscious of and you know um, how to obtain that knowledge if you don't already have it. And then, um, you know, the being a leader, uh, working with your team, having those people skills, that's more subconscious. And then uh, the last category is more a mix of the both. So what, what I work with um, people who are super overwhelmed is creating that role clarity and figuring out, recognizing that you can put things in boxes. Um, I found that it's super helpful when people know that they can put something in a category and not have it like everywhere and juggling things all the time. So if they um, can, again, create that role clarity from the different hats of leadership and then start to recognize, okay, creating my leader identity and also, um, figuring out what your priorities are based on the goals that you have for yourself, as well as the goals that your upper management has for you and your department. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love how you broke down the parts of the brain because that's definitely not taught in any manner that I've (laughs) seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Parts of the brain, it really just opened my mind up to honestly how capable we all are of like reprogramming ourselves. Like, you can sit there and read the book all day and go, oh, this information's really cool. I really want to apply it to my life. But putting it into practice, mm-hmm. oh my heavens, it's been one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life has been rewiring my brain and being yes. in like the moment, the in-between moments is what I would say. I find myself mm-hmm. 
too often. And I'm just like, hey, we're rewiring her brain. It's going to be a little weird right now. Like, just keep going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, mindset, discovering mindset and actually what it is. I mean, I, as a person, you know, growing up, I always thought the mindset was more about your attitude or your personality. But when I really dove into learning about mindset and understanding that, you know, our brains are super powerful. And most of the time they're working against us just because of how our brain has been wired from us growing up and our experiences and things like that. But when we get into a position of authority, you kind of this I call it a Pandora's box of insecurities and negativities pops open. Then again, nobody forewarns us about. And I found that, um, you know, this in Pandora's box of you dealing with these internal struggles is actually the root cause of the external struggles that a manager has, you know, like managing different personalities, um, managing their time and their energy properly and making decisions and having difficult conversations. Those are all external challenges that actually are rooted in the internal challenges that they're having. So, um, you know, teaching people about that, helping them to recognize that and helping them to start to overcome those internal challenges so that they'll actually start to see those external challenges kind of disappear in front of their eyes. And it's really cool when they start to go through that journey and see that. That's great. I love it. So if I was like, hey, pitch yourself to people right now that you know need your help, what are your quick advice? What are What is your pitch that you're going to give us to please come let me help you be a better man <laughs> outside of what your company wants you to be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely tell managers, you know, if you are struggling in your position, if you, you know, just can't find your footing, if you don't feel confident or effective or feel lost and flailing, like you don't know what you're doing. First of all, you're not alone. I think all of us have gone through this period because it's just such a hard transition. And again, there's very little to no preparation and uh, very little to no no proper training to what you need to really be uh, successful in, in your new position. So number one, you know, realize that you're not alone. Number two, do not be afraid to ask for help. It, asking for help is not a weakness, it's actually a strength. So any of that, you know, programming in your brain that you have about asking for help or, or people telling you that you shouldn't do that, um, you know, kind of kick all that aside because it, it's okay to ask for help. And if you need it, it it's here. And, uh, you know, you don't have to necessarily work with me. If you resonate with me, then please, you know, reach out. But if you don't, there are other leadership coaches out there who can help you that if you resonate with them, um, you know, just reach out to them, um, ask for uh, no, a chat to see, you know, if their programs are, are a good fit for you, um, you know, call me and we can set up a chat to see if my programs are a good fit for you. But, you know, please don't continue to struggle and, um, you know, be unhappy and not have proper work-life balance, um, you know, because our time is finite. And the more time that you're kind of wasting struggling is it, time that, you know, you're taking away from yourself and fulfilling um, and having a fulfilling, rich life. 
And, you know, I was able to survive and um, figure out was I was able to figure out uh, how to become an effective and confident leader. Um, I definitely I, I definitely don't recommend that people go the route that I did because it was it took me years. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I wasted a lot of time. Um, so, you know, find somebody who has done it and has an effective uh, program for you to be able to do it quicker and with less mistakes. But but please, yeah, definitely um, get help if you're struggling. Don't continue to do it alone because, um, you know, you'll just continue to repeat what you're doing because you're not changing anything. And and just know that um, you're not alone. You are hired. That was beautiful. <laughs> Wonderful. So all the information down below for your business, um, all yes, of the yeah. links that you could possibly get, all of the information. You also have, is it a free ebook that they're able to download? Yeah. So I have a free ebook um, and it's called uh, The Manager's Essential Guide for not just managing, but truly leading. So that is a free download that they can get on my website. I think I might have given you the link too. And I also have a brand new book that I released um, last month. That's my second book that I've uh, published. And it's called um, Leader Mindset Activation. And it's actually a three-phase methodology that I came up with in activating um, the proper mindset that you need to be a leader. So Beautiful, wonderful. Well, I have... One went back in time in my memory. Have full <laughs> knowledge that I could have totally used you through most of my management. Maybe I wouldn't have been so burnt out or made as many mistakes as I did. Um, but I I love your company. I hope it succeeds and you help so many people not reach that level of frustration and burnout that so many people do in the industries. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely, definitely trying to to help those managers out there. Um, you know, they're capable. You guys are capable. It's just you you need the proper guidance and support. Wonderful. Well, again, Angelie, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see all of you on the next episode. Okay. Hold up! Don't think you're getting out of here without any music. Vitality Exposed is going to bring you a song called "I Got You" by Nightcap and Vicky Vox. Go ahead and check it out on the Safe Space playlist link below. You can find all of the artists I preview on 60 plus episodes. But right now, enjoy this track. Love you guys. Yeah, baby, I got you.